Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're back. Two weeks in a row, we did it. Yay. (laughs) Screw you, Summer, and your too many obligations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has been been busy, but uh, like still time to talk about video games and or uh, legal uh, documents from acquisitions from billion trillion dollar companies I should say I guess right is Microsoft a trillion dollar company I'm sure they must be I, I don't pay that close attention but I mean at this point like they own so many things so yeah. over all of their holdings they've got to be but uh, yeah it feels like more and more we're talking about law and court battles <laughs> instead of like freaking video games like come on guys <laughs> yeah we'll get there we'll get there once uh once the once the sun burns out and uh, microsoft is allowed <laughs> to acquire activision blizzard we'll we'll be talking about you know we'll, this will turn into a, a call of duty podcast because we'll have it on game pass uh and we'll be able to <laughs> play just the campaign without going bankrupt i think that's that's the plan I think. Hopefully, eventually, we'll see. <laughs> but I mean, you are playing some stuff this week, though. So you actually dipped into something from 2016, which is uh, kind of cool, or looks kind of cool. I, d- I can't remember if I've actually played this <laughs> title or not, because like, the name sounds so familiar. But then I go and look at the screenshots. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever touched this. But at the same time, I feel like we talked about it. But you also didn't play it. So I don't know. This is the weirdest game of ever, I feel like. Because I I think we've talked about it. I think we've covered it, but neither one of us can remember playing it previously. So I don't know. Tell me what's up with Oxenfree. Yeah. So I've definitely had this weird sense of deja vu. And and, and that's kind of fitting because the game uh, deals with some, you know, timey wimey ghost maybe type stuff. And uh, I love maybe ghosts, <laughs> maybe. Well, you know, it's uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I the, the game did come out in 2016. Um, but the reason I jumped back into it is not because I'm like, all right, backlog, let's uh, let's start all the way back, uh, you know, 2016 before I had a kid. Um, I think like it, it well, uh, the reason being is like the second one came out uh, just last week, Oxen Free 2. Uh, by uh, Night uh, School Studios, and they were purchased by uh, Netflix. They are owned by Netflix. They are a Netflix uh, games studio. And um, you can play Oxenfree 1 and 2 with your Netflix subscription on uh, iOS and and Android. Um, And this is something we talked about not too long ago when we covered uh, Terra Nil, where uh, I just played it on Netflix and Jocelyn bought it and planted a tree somewhere. So she actually like <laughs> did something with that. I, I just played the game on my tablet. She she planted a tree uh, by purchasing it. So who's the re- who's the real winner here? Who's uh, the real hero? Who's the real me. hero? Yes, it's definitely <laughs> Jocelyn. Um, but once again, I have not planted a tree. I have loaded up this game with my Netflix subscription. 
Um, and here's the thing. I could have sworn maybe I'd played this game. I could have sworn we talked about it on the show, as you said. Uh, but we did, like, I did a, look, I did a quick search just on our website to see if uh, Oxenfree was on there. And I like to think that I tag our shows properly. Not one mention. Yeah, you are on point because not only do you tag the post, but then you go in and do timestamps. So, like, if we had talked about it, there would have been, like, timestamp Oxenfree in the blog post. Like, even if you forgot to tag the post, it would still be in there because of your timestamp. You're so on top of things. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if it's not on the website, we did not do it. Yeah, <laughs> I we feel did not. confident in saying. <laughs> I think maybe a friend of mine played it maybe and was talking to me about it. And and it's a, it's quite a popular game. And I'm sure once this episode goes live, as soon as people get to like whatever this is, the six minute mark or whatever, we'll see the Discord messages come in. And and then they're going to be talking about how I'm talking about Discord. But really, it'll be folks who have played Oxenfree saying, like, oh, man, I love that game. It's such a such a trip. It's such a wild story. Uh, it's so cool. And I, I agree with all those things. Like, it, it was a really neat experience to uh, go back in time and play this 2016 game. Um, and I know that wasn't that long ago, but but it was seven years ago. And to get a sequel, you know, seven years later is kind of cool especially the way the first one ends in the sense that they kind of like they it's multiple endings that you can get but they use the fact that it is very based in this like time loop situation that you could easily pick a canon ending with the second one um and i haven't gotten far enough in the second one to kind of know what that ending is but like you can gather that weird shit is still going on uh, on the island, which is uh, Edward's Island in, in the first game. Um, but essentially what it is, it's like a point and click adventure. Uh, it's a point and click adventure game. Uh, playing it on the tablet uh, means you, you you just tap on the screen and your character kind of walks around and you have a limited time to like pick dialogue options when you're talking to other characters. Um, and uh, the first one's very based on a group of friends just at a high school graduated high school looking to you know go i think they're either going into their senior year or going to college it's in that like sort of age group right um, okay and it's very focused in on that like you you have these experiences that uh, that age group would be having like oh they're 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 going to this island because there's this tradition on this island where you you know the kids get dropped off there and they party on the beach all night and it's the only time so people it's stay very over. Like- coming of age <laughs> yes a hundred percent yeah and there's a lot of dialogue that you can just imagine like there's the one guy who you know does his magic cupcakes as he says right before the shit hits the fan <laughs> so of course yeah so he's all good he's fine he's like chilling in a cabin uh somewhere while you're like trying to figure out what the hell's going on But like quickly, the game goes off the rails and the story becomes this wild mystery of like, what is going on? And it kind of reminded me a lot of like the more mystical stuff that would happen on Lost, like where you had like mysterious stuff showing up, you know, characters kind of waking up uh, in different places, like not knowing how they got there and just general weird noises. Like, remember the the smoke monster in Lost? I was just going to say, yeah, the smoke monster. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's there's some a little bit of that, too. And, and really what it is, these characters, like, exploring what's going on on this island and, um, and, and kind of digging into, like, what has caused 
these mysterious things to happen. And, and it's all about this radio that you have, like you, you have this radio that you can tune into frequencies. And there's this like urban legend of like, Oh, we don't know what it is, but it's kind of like you're tuning. As one character says, like my theory is that you're tuning into traffic news in some other galaxy. Like it's weird noises and stuff that you're hearing on the radio. But the story kind of quickly evolves into like the supernatural angle, uh, with, with ghosts and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really neat game, like point and point and click adventure, but you are playing a 2016 game. There's like some stuff in there where you're like, the gameplay isn't as tight as you'd want it to be. Like it's, um, it feels a little slow. Like there's some backtracking that is you just like, uh, okay. So like slow in terms of game design, not slow in terms of like tech, like tech that's available. Like it's, it doesn't like have big loading screens or something. It's like. You have to go back and replace sections and it's not great design. Yeah, like there's some there's definitely some stuff. Um, I think the the main goal in the first game was like you got to go to. So it, you get separated from your friends and you got to, OK, I got to go save this person or I got to go save this person. And um, you can kind of pick and choose where you want to go. But uh, it, it uh, it's very basic in that, like, well, once you go to one side, it's like, oh, I got to backtrack through everything and i was literally just having to kind of like guide my characters through until i got to the other side of the map you know whereas in like modern design like that we see nowadays is like well let's not punish the player um you know instead of like backtracking all the way through that area you find a ladder you can kick over and then you get a you get a shortcut you know yeah it's just smart game design in in that case and and i've noticed in two that they really picked that up like the the narrative in two and the design of moving around the map is much more like it's tighter. Like you're, you're moving much faster. The narrative doesn't have you like, Hey, go anywhere. It's kind of like, no, we're, we want to make it feel like you can go anywhere. Could you kind of go anywhere in the first game? Like, did you have that freedom that they've taken away in the second game? Um, no, like I think, the first one. Okay, so it was kind of like guided regardless. It was very guided regardless, but you could in the first game kind of go off. You had some more like, so in the first game, you have these two options that present you like go save your friend Ren or go save your friend. Uh, well, not your friend at the time, but your your mortal enemy, uh, Clarissa. And uh, you have those options and you can kind of go one way or another. And it, it was presented as a choice. Uh, but in the second one, it it uh, it feels like uh, you're on you're on a different area, but you're just off the coast of this this island in the, in the first game, and you're kind of given the option of like, okay, you have to install three uh, transistors to interrupt the signal uh, that is being broadcast from the island to, to stop all this weird stuff from happening, and you you just have to go to any point above three hundred meters above uh, three thousand meters above sea level, and based on that like okay i could go anywhere as long as i can access those peaks and you have a map and it's always like constantly being updated by your character of like okay here's the here's the the level we're looking at and clearly there's only like three or four points we haven't been to yet so you kind of navigate through that way but both games kind of have this setup of like you have this large area to explore um but i felt like in the first one it wasn't as guided in a way where like you could 
you could go anywhere, but personally, like it felt like I was, I, I could get lost that way. And it, and again, because there aren't a lot of shortcuts, if I get lost and go to one end of the map, when I need to go to the other, we're looking at like a not so fun backtrack. But in the second yeah. one, it's like more guided. It's like, I can clearly tell like you want me to go here and I go down this path and I can go that way or I can go the other way, find collectibles, you know, that sort of thing. So it's not a negative. I think they've really, well, over the, over the course of seven years, uh, taken what they learned from, from Oxenfree 1 and applied it to 2. And they did have a game in between, I think it was, and we did talk about this one, I remember, it was uh, the after party where uh, two people challenged the devil to a drinking contest to escape hell. Um, and it, and I think they took what they learned there from the writing and the humor and, and kind of applied it to two. Not that the writing's bad in one, but it definitely feels like an upgrade in comparison to, to playing the first one. Um, but it's all fully voice acted. It's, it all sounds great. Uh, I, I'm leaning more towards two, obviously, because it's like, it's a more recent game. Like they've learned a lot. Well, yeah, from... it has those, has those quality of life upgrades. <laughs> exactly. That too. Yeah. Yeah. But the story, um, feels very connected in the sense of like knowing what happened in the first one and what happened on that Island, I think obviously plays a lot into the second one. So I was kind of like, I knew I need, I knew I wanted to go back and play one, uh, even though it was a fairly old, uh, older game, but, uh, the fact that it was included on Netflix and I could just download it on the, on the tablet and play it there. So I just, I literally the one night I'm like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta beat this so I can play two. So I just like two nights in a row. Once the kids were down, I just sat on the couch <laughs> on my tablet, just with headphones in and, and actually comes like, what are you doing? It's like, Oh, I'm playing a game like on the tablet. I'm like, yeah, I guess I do this now. <laughs> she thought I was like, I don't know, like reading Twitter and, it's like no, no. Do I really? I like. I was enjoying the game. Like, was I? Was I not enjoying the game? Yeah, is that is what you this think of? the face of someone who's reading Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of lost in thought, maybe. So maybe I have resting okay. Twitter face. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> um, but no. I, I like I, the story is really interesting, and and again, it deals with a lot of like supernatural stuff. So they can kind of play or supernatural stuff and time, so they can kind of play around with. Um, how they present, you know, characters and, and enemies to you while you're navigating the story. It does sound so much like Lost, like it does. <laughs> playing with supernatural island time things. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot of like quick cuts where, you know, your character might be walking and then like a lot of static too. Like, again, it deals a lot with like radio signals and stuff. Mm. So like the screen will get all staticky and then like maybe like a ghost will kind of like pop out or, or it'll get, it'll get staticky. And then like the scene will shift. Um, there are these moments where like you might be, your friend might be possessed and you have to kind of like interact with the system to kind of like exercise this possession, uh, that's happening. And, and there's like little mini games in the first one that like was really just like dialing into, uh, a radio station, a specific radio station, or um, you'd find these machines when you're stuck in a loop uh, that you have to like kind of tune in like uh, the song, like speed it up, like play the tape player and make it play at the at the right speed to get the right song playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. But the second one has uh, what I found to be like more meaningful mini games, like so as opposed to just like, oh, I got to like you know, find the right station or I have to, uh, you know, tune this tape right. It's more of like a line game, like using like 
wavelengths and stuff. Um, I feel like we've played these puzzles before, but it's like um, you have all these wavelengths you can play around with and you're trying to like line up the, the symbols. So you kind of have to like tweak the wavelengths so that you get the right symbol and then you place it in the right location. It just, it felt like um, like an actual mini game that they've built into this as opposed to just like do the quick thing, like a quick time. It's not a quick time event. It's more of a mini game as opposed to just like, you know, do this thing real quick so we can move on. Um, so that's a little more, a little more engaging I found. Um, but yeah, I haven't finished the second one yet. I did finish the first one. Uh, and of course, because it's a mystery game, I had to like go to Reddit and figure out what the hell happened or what I did right or wrong. (laughs) You know, like when you finish a game and you're like, okay, I feel like that could have gone better, but like maybe it could. And and then you look up the endings and it's like, oh wow, like you could have done that and that. And it's, it's, it's one of those games. It's got like a mystery. It sounds really interesting. It sounds like kind of right up my alley. And I'm like, I don't understand why I missed this. And I mean, maybe it's the kind of thing that I bought at some point. Like I haven't actually checked my Steam library, but I bet it's in there. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have Netflix? Because you could just like download it off Netflix, I guess. I do. But the the thing is like, and I mean, I know you have a tablet, but I I don't. So all I have for um, Netflix would be to like play on my phone. I don't know um, how the experience would be on like that small of a screen after looking at some of the screenshots and stuff. Like, I'm sure it's probably doable, but um, I think I would probably rather play on a different device. And I just don't have a tablet right now. So like, I mean, I do, but it's super old, like probably can't even download the 20, (laughs) like 2023 games. So I mean, if I was going to play because Netflix gaming's only on mobile, it would have to be on my phone and nah. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't recommend this on the phone. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those games that has like a, and and I experienced this both with one and two, but like some of the UI is a little, uh, it's a little wonky. Like I, I I've gotten stuck a few times, like trying to walk around, and uh, some dialogue options didn't like quite allow me to choose them. Um, and I, I imagine on mobile, like that on a smaller screen experience could get, you know, a little wonky as you're like trying to determine what's going on while also hitting buttons and, and navigating properly. Like, I think you'd miss a lot of the, you know, secrets and pathways and, and kind of like, where am I going here? What am I supposed to do? Like, cause it's, uh, it's a game that also, especially 2016, like it's a game that has like a lot of like, you know, um, yeah, darker passages and, you're like the lower light and and you're trying to determine where to go. And uh, I think it, I think you'd struggle on a smaller screen. Um, but that being said, I think the first one is like 80 percent off right now because the second one just came out. Um, and it honestly wouldn't surprise me because I have it in my, in my Steam library. Uh, don't remember how, why or how. <laughs> but I, <laughs> And, and I, I could have played it on on Steam. I, I do own it. Uh, but it was one of those things of like. Well, let's let's test this out. So I, I just managed to just play it all on uh, uh, all on the tablet there. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really neat experience. And it's funny, like, I feel like this is one of those games where a lot of our listeners would be like, oh, yeah, Oxenfree is great. I played that. Like, it's one of those games that a lot of people talked about. I just never got around to playing. And, and uh, I was kind of fascinated that like we get this when the sequel was announced. That's when I really experienced like this idea of like it's a beloved series like and i don't think players were expecting uh a sequel 
you know, just because of the the nature of the first game and, and how I think in the way it ends, it kind of feels like a, a complete story, like in in the universe they've set up, like they've kind of told the story. Uh, so but it but also felt like a way you could do a sequel if you really wanted to or if Netflix gave you a bunch of money. Um <laughs> Because that's the thing, like you, you think of Netflix buying studios, like the ones that come to mind are, are folks making games like this, like point and click adventures, story based narrative choice stuff uh, like Telltale, similar situation. Like it would not surprise me if if Telltale was like they might even already be working on a Netflix game. I, I, I can't remember where they feel all like at. there was news of that lately that telltale was doing something with netflix i I could be remembering that incorrectly but i thought that was something with the new revamp of telltale that that was one of their partnerships i think but uh, yeah i think they had uh they were working on a stranger things game and and that got that got canceled or when they when they got maybe that's what i'm thinking of uh with the netflix tie-in with telltale was the stranger things yeah uh but like this one um it's like like i said it's perfect in that it's a perfect sort of product for Netflix to kind of look at their subscription service where they can say like, okay, on mobile, this works. I mean, it's, I guess it's not perfect in the sense that I think on phones it would, it would kind of struggle, but I have not tested that myself. But I feel like it's a good fit because it allows them to release this game on consoles, but also include it on their mobile subscription. It's a narrative choice-based game, so it's a very, it's a very like, intriguing story they're telling with this mystery of this island and and they kind of like continue with that in a really clever way uh in in the second one and again i've only just scratched the surface on the second one i'm not i'm not too far but like it's uh it fits really well with what you feel netflix would be trying to do you know Mm -hmm. with with their game studios um and i mean if you do have a tablet and you you do subscribe to netflix like i feel like it's also one of those things of like I, I could I guess I can do more with my subscription. Like that's always my thing is like I don't watch Netflix, but like my kids watch it. It's the only reason we have it. And I kind of feel like, well, you know what? Like I'm not watching Netflix, but I could be, you know, playing these games on this on the service on the service with uh with my tablet. Um I don't see why they couldn't like expand that to consoles outside of like maybe it's not worth it profit wise, like to to have like a free version on the PlayStation store that unlocks by a lot. Like, I don't even know if the platform holders would allow you, but then I guess it, they wouldn't really care. I don't know. It's weird to think about. Um, they're probably only going with mobile just to kind of like, like test the waters. As far as I know, it's still early days for them. But uh, yeah, the second game, like it's getting great reviews and I, I think it, I think because of what I've played, like I, I definitely see it. Like the story is still really intriguing. It's really interesting, but they've really tightened up that gameplay. It's still point and click adventure. So if you're not into those, like you, you might want to skip it. But like, I think that if you're interested in a really intriguing story with, um, you know, cool characters, I will warn you, Jocelyn, I think maybe the reason you now that I think about it, the reason you may have not played Oxenfree uh, one is because it's it is a bunch of uh, uh, younger, <laughs> younger kids in there. You know, they're not as bad as Life is Strange. I will say that right off the bat. I was going to uh, say, is this Life is Strange 2.0? Because no, thank you. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I really don't think it's that bad. Um, It's uh, they're a little they're definitely older than that age group. Uh. But there are like 
I feel the characters are, are a bit more mature than that. And the reason for some of the characters being a bit more standoffish and, uh, you know, not, not really liking your character for a particular reason, there are story reasons for it. And, and you're able to kind of break it down and, and, um, you know, get to know these characters a little better. So like, it's not that bad, but like on the surface, it, it is like, you know, these kids like partying on the beach. That's how it starts. But once the mystery starts, I feel like it really gets going. And I mean, I hate all high school stories like that. Like I would say, or I guess, um, I guess some of the other stuff I've played is more like college age. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, well, cause I'm, th- I'm thinking of like a lot of the horror stuff. Cause so much horror stuff is, is teenagers. Right. So yeah, like, well, Stranger Things is a good example, but also, oh, uh, what was that other one that I always said wrong? The quarry? The query? Quarry? Quarry. <laughs> yeah, the quarry. Yeah, <laughs> that one too. But yeah, I play a lot of horror stuff with teenagers, but. I think yeah. you'd like it. I mean, the fact that you can get the first one, uh, check your library. You might already have it because I, I have it. I don't remember. I did. I checked Steam. I don't have it, but I okay. might have it on uh, on uh, Game Pass or something. Yeah, it's it again, like it's really neat. And I mean, the cool thing about the sequel is that you are uh, a more mature character. I don't know what what age you're in, but like you're at the age where you've 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 probably our age. Like, I think, you know, around where we're at uh, in in the sense of like that, that span of their life. And uh, and (laughs) that's one hell of a jump, dude. I don't know about you, but I am nowhere near a teenager anymore. (laughs) No, I know. But I'm talking about Oxenfree, too. Like your character is older. And yes, you're right. It is it is a it is a jump from the first one. The first one's dealing with like, you know, like I said, like early, you know, uh, well, 18, 19, 20, that sort of time range. And I think the second one, I don't know how old the character is, but they've definitely like graduated college, you know, gone to do a job and have have now returned to their hometown. And that's kind of like the age, you know, the, the time frame. Um but you'll love it because the second one, it's you running around with a, with another older character and you're just yelling at kids. Like, that's what I've played so far is you're, you're yelling at these kids who are like starting up the apocalypse. I love that you think yelling at kids is right up my alley. Well, you don't like Life is Strange. I mean, so I just <laughs> assumed you wanted to yell at these kids who um, are trying to start. The, like, look, they're doing they're doing something weird. They're starting the apocalypse. They're opening these portals. Crazy stuff is happening. Cut it out, kids. <laughs> I think that's one of the lines, literally, like right from the game. Um, it, so you you're know. telling me I should be a, I should be game dev. I should be a writer. Yes, you could write Oxenfree 3, which is Three. just uh, you in a cabin on this island saying, get off my lawn. Like, I think that's what we could do with the third one. And then portals open up and weird shit starts happening. Like, I think that's where this game is going. I haven't got that far yet, but um I really love a good story that like deals with, like we talked about lost. I really love a good story that deals with like that supernatural side, but then also like, I know a lot of people like, Oh, time travel. That's, you know, I don't like time travel, but I, I like the idea of like dealing with like time loops and um, the second one kind of like runs with it. Yeah. Time stuff is very hit and miss. I find like it can be done well, but it's very hard to do it well. So most time stuff, for me, I mean, even the lost time stuff, I'm kind of like, Ugh, yeah, OK, <laughs> so I, I feel like time is really hard to mess with in a way that makes sense and is satisfying. 
because uh, and if it doesn't make sense, then usually that's when I start to get really ticked off at time stuff. So, I mean, supernatural stuff. Yes, I am all on board with. And I think that there are a ton of different ways to like incorporate time. Thing. Like I'm thinking, um, oh, what was the the oh, it was the Mike Flanagan show on Netflix that had horror supernatural with a hint of a time loop mm-hmm. type thing. Um, I don't think I watched. Was it a bunch of kid like the Midnight Club uh, or something? No, it wasn't Midnight Mass. It was um, it was a uh, haunted uh, Hill House maybe or something. It was oh, like maybe. the first the first one he did. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It that's how you know. Like I I think it can be done well when it's not a huge focus because <laughs> like time is just it can get to the point where it's hard to make things meaningful and also difficult to make things make sense like it's so easy to accidentally write in a mistake or something Mm -hmm. that feels like a mistake you know when you start messing with time so i mean it can be done right absolutely but um yeah it isn't always so no uh supernatural thumbs up time stuff depends (laughs) the time stuff is very like um it's it's tangential and i think like in the first one it's more about what's happening what's happened in the past and um it's more about like referencing you know what your character went through and reliving some of those moments and and that also being a part of how the the supernatural is is sort of messing with you as a character uh the second one kind of like has these moments where you can kind of like take a peek back through time like right at the beginning of the game your character sees this like rip in the fabric of of space and can kind of like interact with it and step through the portal and is suddenly like transported back to to this specific moment in this specific area to the like 1900s and it's like conversing with another character there are those moments in the second one that are like that's an interesting idea of like there are no consequences you're just using it as like a, a narrative piece to learn more about this character or as a gameplay piece to kind of get through an area Right. And then like, I'm like, okay, but so or where my brain goes with something like that is like, okay, so there's no consequences for your character. You're just going back in time like you were reading a book in a library or something. But then like that 1900s character just saw a crazy future portal open in front of them. And then they (laughs) talked to somebody from 150 years in the future. And what the fuck? And then that blows that 1900s character's mind. Mm-hmm. And then like their life goes off on a totally different tangent than it would have otherwise. And then are we in a multiverse situation? Are we like, <laughs> this well, is where my mind goes with time things. <laughs> and that that is that is totally legit. That makes sense. But what if ghosts, time ghosts, Jocelyn, <laughs> that explains the whole thing. It's time ghosts. They're messing with you. But anybody you talk to in the past, this is like the thing. Anybody you interact with in the past you you have these options of that'll pop up like like you know you're tempted to be like oh my god what is going on like for example your 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 character in the first one kind of like is thrown back in time by the time ghosts and you're talking to your brother who who is dead uh but but he's alive and you're reliving a memory but as a character you can say like you're supposed to be dead and and the character will be like haha very funny we're actually just going to this picnic place why are you being so weird so like you're interacting with, I guess, a memory, but it, like it feels real to that character. But like the the game kind of like brushes it off as like, look, you can try to like break through and, and answer the way your character. Well, would. see, like, because then then you would be like embodying your 
your person, your character mm-hmm. in something that they where they already existed. It's like your consciousness goes back in time, but like your your personage already exists there. Like your brother is expecting you to, uh, your brother is expecting to see you. Random 1900s person doesn't know you. You're yeah. not supposed to be there. But oh, she's possessed. A- Time go. No, she's literally possessed. Like oh. when you talk to her, she like so it, it it's it it's an example. I mean, of like, yeah, I don't want I don't want to like you know spoil anything or ruin anything for anyone. So I'm just like I'm trying to explain like some of my hangups when it comes to stories that try to incorporate time specifically. Like it just ugh, sometimes it breaks my brain. Yeah, I think in the first one you wouldn't you wouldn't hate it until like and i didn't get the i didn't get this ending but like you wouldn't like so for example in the first one there's this there's a there's one ending you can get that like to me from a time loop perspective makes no sense and it feels like it's in there just to like appease uh to give you like the super happy ending and it's like well that doesn't make sense that really doesn't make sense because my the logic is like these these time events that are happening are you being tossed around by these these time ghosts um, but the second one kind of runs with that in a way where like you are legit. So for example, you're in this cave system and the year 2023, the elevator used in the 1800s has, has collapsed and has crumbled and no longer works, but you find this like time rip that you can kind of like transport or visit that area in the 1800s when the elevator worked. So it's a time puzzle. You've gone back in time, you use the elevator and now you're able to like go through the area and traverse it and then like launch down a rope so that you don't have to use the time tear every time. So like there's stuff like that where it's like, it's not a time ghost. Yeah. That doesn't bug me because you didn't interact with anything or change anything. You just used something that existed and then went back to your own time. So that doesn't really bother me. Although, you know, we could talk about the butterfly effect at any point. It's like you leave <laughs> the you elevator cause down. The elevator or, to collapse. Yeah, mm. I was gonna say. Yeah, you like you leave the elevator at the top instead of the bottom, and then like accidentally trap like fifty miners down a shaft or something in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, like like I said, like what I've experienced so far of the entirety of the first one and the the first you know third of the second one is that there's only one moment at the very end of Oxenfree One that deals with time time loop stuff and time travel um that is like a little bit like ah that doesn't make any sense but everything else in the game like the way that it it feels like it comes right down like to these these time ghosts are messing with you um and they are they have their own agenda that they're trying to uh enact for uh for reasons uh to you know that i won't mention because i don't want to uh yes reasons yeah time reasons (laughs) time ghost reasons um but like it's a really cool story and i think that if you're looking for a sort of a a laid-back uh sort of experience where your your focus is story and characters and the writing and the dialogue like that's that's what you're getting into here like there's no you know there's no combat system there's no like real uh like action gameplay to speak of it is really a narrative experience where you're it's a point and click adventure there's some puzzles or i think the second one so far has had more puzzles to it the first one very much feels like you're working your way through a story and you know dialogue options and there's a few little like little puzzles here and there but they don't really they feel more like moving around type puzzles Mm -hmm. like where do i have to go to to initiate the next part of the story but the second one has like legit 
puzzles that you're solving in little mini games. So they've, they've expanded a bit there, but like, yeah, it's it. The focus here is narrative time ghosts and, uh, and, you know, point and click adventure. So, uh, but I've, I've really been enjoying it. I'm going to finish up the second one, uh, and see if it has any weird, (laughs) uh, endings that don't make sense you know time loop wise um i'm sure there's gonna be at least one (laughs) yeah and i mean like and uh, and i'm also on board with like yeah throw one in there because you're doing a time travel game of course you should have some fun with it um and and really the first one has like there's just one little time time ending that that doesn't really make sense to me but but like i think they kind of go with the ending uh like like more of like a like a I'm I'm assuming they go with a bad ending because like well there's a sequel and the weird shit is still happening so clearly it wasn't resolved you know in the first game whereas like when I finished it it felt um well no it didn't feel resolved I, I guess if I had played it twice and did some specific stuff I could break the loop so like you you discover there's a loop going on like a larger loop but anyways to go any further would would uh would probably start spoiling some i was stuff gonna out. say yeah you're getting into spoiler territory i think so uh but overall so uh you thumbs up thumbs down recommend yay or nay oxen free one and two i i do recommend it i i, I really do enjoy these narrative experiences and, and again like um if if you you know miss the the old telltale games or you know the older point and click games like i think this is going to be right up your alley and uh but you have to know going in like this is a narrative focused experience like um this is not final fantasy 16 where you're like summoning giant monsters and having them fight like that's not what this <laughs> is um there's like some supernatural uh time stuff going on like time ghosts as i mentioned that's going to be the the title something to do with time ghosts but um yeah i really enjoy it and and again like if you have a tablet and you subscribe to netflix i think that's the perfect way to play this uh but also the first one is on sale and um i would recommend at least uh looking at a a story overview for the first one um if you don't want to play both but uh, i really really like oxen free 2 what i've played of it so far it's a great sort of um like all good video game sequels, it kind of takes what was great about the first one and builds upon it and uh, and sort of improves upon the gameplay. Uh, but they're both very short. From what I understand, uh, the second one is is a, around six hours and the first one I, I finished in about four to five hours. So they're, they're not long games. Uh, you don't want them to overstay their welcome. But uh, yeah, it, I've had a lot of fun with these two. All right, so Ryan recommends Oxenfree 1 and 2, and I recommend everyone go over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show like Smiley Chris did. Thank you so much for becoming our July patron. If you would like your name here, again, you can support us over at patreon.com slash thegamersin. Also wanted to remind everybody that uh, Psychonauts 2 is our game club game this summer. So uh, on July 23rd, the first milestone is going to be posted. And the first discussion is going to begin on the 30th. So that is coming up. It's uh, this this coming weekend. So go and check out the game club that is in our Discord, which you can find at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That brings us to the news this week. And before we get into, yes, obviously, we're going to talk about Microsoft and the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. But before we get there, we actually have a couple of other pieces of Microsoft news. Uh, so Xbox has... Um, launched slash or is launching changing the name of xbox live gold it is now going to be xbox game pass core 
uh, is coming this September. So Xbox Live Gold will no longer be a thing. And I think from a marketing perspective, just like a consistency perspective, this makes a lot of sense to me. Like you have some sort of a subscription thing on Xbox, just call it all Game Pass. And then choose from a list as to like what features you need and everything else. But like, if you want a subscription on Xbox, you're getting Game Pass. Like this to me, just from a marketing consistency and messaging perspective makes a lot of sense. That being said, some of these packages are weird. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, And it's funny, like we talked about it pre-show to kind of sort out like what, what was going on here. And now they look at it again and I, I, I kind of like, okay, you know, for me, I, I don't necessarily need Xbox Live Gold. Like it's very rare. And really what it comes down to is like when I want to play Sea of Thieves on the couch and all my friends want to play on PC, like I, I do need that Xbox Live uh, Gold when I'm playing through Game Pass. But you would never buy Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass separately. You would just get Ultimate because it's technically cheaper. Like the way they've priced right. this... And I will give you full credit, Jocelyn, because you said this pre-show, like the way they price this and the way they have the features laid out, they are leading you to ultimate as opposed to unless you're a PC player and you just want PC Game Pass. It definitely does not make sense to to get anything else but PC Game Pass. Well, but even then, so PC, so we'll we'll lay it out. So there's four mm-hmm. different types of Game Pass now or, or will be as of September 14th. Uh, so Core, which used to be Xbox Live Gold is $9.99 a month. Then you've got console and PC. Console costs you $10.99 a month. PC costs you $9.99 a month. So same price as Core. Uh, Core comes with multiplayer. PC does not. So same price, but only one of those two packages includes multiplayer. Um, And then you've got console, which, like I said, is is more expensive by a dollar a month. Again, no multiplayer. And then you have Ultimate, which has like... Well, it's ultimate, so it's everything, right? So it's got multiplayer, covers you on your console, covers you on your PC. Basically, if you have a, or if you are, you know, interacting with Microsoft products, if you're interacting with Xbox on your PC and console, like ultimate is just the way to go. Like if you want to play online multiplayer stuff, ultimate's the way to go. It very much feels like the other three packages are priced oddly and kind of confusing as to what is in each of them so that people just kind of default go I'll just get ultimate and then I get everything um so I think that if they just added online multiplayer to all of their packages then all of a sudden this kind of makes a lot more sense to me then it's like okay where do you play buy a game pass on that place and then you're set (laughs) so I I don't know this whole all of the options in all of their packages just seems so weird to me. And, and I'm an ultimate gamer. I've got my, you know, my Xbox um, on both like the actual console and the PC. Like I interact with that environment in both places. Like ultimate makes a lot of sense for me. I play multiplayer online as well because of, like you said, Ryan, Sea of Thieves is the big one for me. Um, like otherwise I wouldn't, if I didn't play Sea of Thieves, I wouldn't need online multiplayer because I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that I play multiplayer on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it, there's still something missing here. Like, uh, there's something missing about these these plans. And and I know we stated like, well, put multiplayer in all of them, but like, I kind of don't want that because I know that will increase the price of 
console pc won't won't have online because pc technically like all your windows games on pc don't require gold they just they just work um there isn't that layer of like uh of xbox live gold or or core online multiplayer it it it, it, there's no lock there but like if you subscribe to two of any of the services below ultimate like i really hope that it says hey you know you don't need to do this you should just upgrade to ultimate i know as a company, they probably don't do that. <laughs> you know, they would happily take your 20 bucks a month as opposed to the 17 bucks a month. But um, yeah, there's some weirdness there. So as long as the onboarding system like kind of leads you down that that path, I mean, if you are just buying uh, Call of Duty or FIFA and you want to play online with your with your friends, you only need Core. You don't need Game Pass. You don't need PC Game Pass. Like it makes sense to have them separate, but I almost feel like one of these is priced one of these is priced weirdly but you're you're getting a whole different thing you're getting you're getting a whole catalog of games with no online with console you're getting a whole catalog of pc games with pc so like it kind of makes it kind of makes sense but it's almost i hate to make the argument but it's almost like one of these isn't priced right you know like ultimate yeah (laughs) i you know i don't want to be held responsible for ultimate you know price going up but like I feel like that's where we're we're headed with this is that ultimate could probably probably be 20 to a couple more dollars expensive. Oh, Ryan, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't put that be. out into the universe. <laughs> ultimate is fine right where it is. Let's move on. New 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 story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I honestly I think it's priced in the right it's probably priced in the right sense because like I said like you either want like you you want two out of the three of these like i don't need core i don't need the online i just want console and pc you know like i'm more likely to stay subscribed to ultimate for console and pc as opposed to like bouncing around three different subscriptions so i think like it's it's really interesting to basically take gold and say well instead of games with gold where we offer you like two or four very old games that you're not going to play and we'll just give you access to, um, you know, 25 games that kind of came out like in the last, like a selection of games that came out in the last five to six years. Which I imagine are probably because like looking at this game. So, yeah, this this is um, the core subscription plan does come with 25 games and the games it does say new titles will be added two to three times a year. But the games they've chosen are there's some pretty good titles here like. Among Us, Fable Anniversary, Doom Eternal, Fallout 4 and 76, like Forza is in here, um, like Inside Ori for those kind of like single player Psychonauts 2, um, you know, for those kind of single player experiences. The ESO is in here, the uh, Tamriel Unlimited, which is the um, updated base game. So like there's a whole bunch in here that uh, like I'm sure they can tell um it, they have all their gameplay statistics and stuff on their side obviously. I'm sure that this is some of their most popular Game Pass titles, right? So like even though it's only 25 games, I would say they've probably covered 98% of their gamers by offering these 25 titles, right? So mm-hmm. the console version, the PC version, and Ultimate all have hundreds and hundreds of quality games. Um, and so it sounds like Core is a huge like step down, only having 25 games. But at the same time, like I said, 
these are probably some of the absolute most popular titles on Game Pass. So, um, like, it seems like a pretty interesting and varied list here that they've got with Core. Yeah. And, I mean, if if folks are wondering why this all sounds familiar, it's because it's very similar to what PlayStation did with the launch of the PS5, which was uh, the PlayStation Plus um, uh, catalog where you if you were subscribed to PlayStation Plus, not only did you get your your PlayStation Plus games every month, um, but you had access to like a list of 20 games that you could add to your um, your your collection that you could play while while you were subscribed. I think this is more of like a Game Pass type thing where where these are going to be rotating titles or stuff is going to be added and removed over time. But these are all Microsoft own or Microsoft published uh, products. So like Inside and um, I guess Inside and Ori and the Will of the Wisps are more like Xbox adjacent. But the rest of these are all Microsoft owned. Uh, oh, well, Among Us and Descenders, I guess, are not as well. But but most of these are, are Microsoft owned. And I like I think it's a better value for those folks that just want to have, you know, online access but it's also like a good tease of like okay well you've you've tried core and that's why the title kind of fits outside of the multiplayer stuff being in there because nothing about core tells me like you know that it's it's a it it, it requires it's like it's a multiplayer focused thing but like it's a good introduction to the idea of game pass of like well here's 25 titles you can play alongside your online multiplayer but if you upgrade to ultimate or add like you wouldn't add anything. You just upgrade to ultimate and there'd be no reason for you to add console because you'd be spending more money. I guess is it yeah, really exactly. is just <laughs> yeah, it's just a path. Yeah, it's it's a path to ultimate, I think, a hundred percent. Like and that's why I think that the price of ultimate maybe doesn't need to shift too much because you don't want the gap between your other products and all even if you like put the prices or like put the the costs together and you know you're hitting the 20 21 whatever dollars a month you don't want people to have to think about it too much right like you want the price of ultimate to feel like a steal compared to combining pc and console or you know core and pc or whatever um you very much want people to go oh well i could do that or okay i'm just going to default to ultimate like if you put ultimate up to even like 19.99 a month which would basically be the combination of like core and pc then you're going to have people going okay wait now i have to think about it like what do i need what do i not need what's actually best like you want people to default to the biggest package, right? Mm-hmm. So keep it at 17 and then they don't have to think about it. Agreed. Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to undo the damage you did saying it should yeah. be more expensive. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I talked myself out of it in the sense that because um, you're right. You're totally right. If you price it above or even equivalent to the two combined, I would I would strategic, strategically sub to what I need in that moment. Uh, I would go month to month and I would probably only have one at a time. Therefore, like you're right. It's all about like, how do I price this in a way where I can, I can get this person to leave auto renew on, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And not just folks like Jocelyn that forget to turn it off. Oh my God, dude. My wow. My six month wow subscription went through like two weeks ago and I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Like I haven't touched it in like four months and I was planning on canceling before my next subscription came out and then it came out in June and I was just like, I bet you if you go back to December (laughs) 
mid December, uh, I guess at this stage would be mid mid January. There's there's you complaining about having your six month a subscription I auto renew. <laughs> I can I'm just getting this weird sense of deja vu of like this has happened before. Yeah, uh, it definitely has. It definitely has. I'm not even rating anymore. I haven't logged into WoW in months and months and months, and I just. <sighs> And yet, I still haven't actually gone in and canceled it for Do when it. it'll auto renew in, in December or whatever. But yeah, I should. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So uh, subscriptions, yeah. I forget all the time. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, another piece of Xbox news that we got is that uh, they've instituted a new uh, community safety feature. So now, essentially, you can save a voice clip of someone. Uh, if you feel that they are violating community standards and you can basically um, you capture the clip and then you can report it at the time or later. So it doesn't actually impact your gameplay, because if you're in, you know, voice chat, you're probably playing something like COD and you don't want to sit there, you know, like clipping and typing out what happened and blah, 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 whatever, like you want to play your game. So the fact that you can report it later, I think, is a really good feature. Um, so basically you capture the voice clip. Then you write up the report and submit it to Microsoft, and then they will actually review the report. And this is the part that I absolutely love, and I know that uh, it is expensive and time-consuming and uh, not possible on all platforms. I think um, I was listening to a, a crime podcast, a true crime podcast, uh, last week, and they were talking about basically how much uh, like video gets uploaded every minute or something like that. And uh, and why it's so difficult to moderate things like YouTube and Facebook. Uh, but I think the fact that Xbox will review your report and then notify you of the decision. Like, I love that follow through. I hate throwing reports into the ether and never hearing back again. So the fact that they're going to notify you with a decision, I think, like I said, the notification piece is obviously very expensive and, you know, like time consuming and, you know, takes a lot of man hours and everything else. But as a user, it's the feature I appreciate the most when it comes to community safety is like actually knowing that something has been done. You know, even if the decision doesn't come down in your favor as the one doing the reporting, just knowing that a person looked at it and then they've come to a decision that to me, um, I, I really appreciate as a user. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, um, because it's a built-in feature, and I think uh, PlayStation had something similar that they announced uh, actually a while ago, and um, there are a lot of options like within, uh, like privacy options within your consoles, like specifically with PlayStation. We had to go through this when we were streaming um, Avengers a couple years ago, where we had to kind of like set up not only our consoles for streaming but set up our privacy settings so that our our audio could be uh captured by a stream so for example because we're doing the whole thing through the playstation including the streaming we had to make sure everyone in the party had that option toggled so that their voice could be heard through my stream right so like there's a lot of these privacy features built in and like by engaging with the systems uh and it's all built into the same cons like to to the same system to, to the console like Xbox can launch these these features that make it a safer space for people to play games. And I think having a reporting feature is key. Like your your Xbox, your PlayStation, even your Nintendo Switch 
has that built-in memory to be recording like the last, I think the switch is limited to 60 seconds. But I was going to say, I love that you included the switch. I like, did. Are we actually sure about that? They do 60 <laughs> seconds. I mean, it's really just so you can capture that, uh, that um, insane uh, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom uh, uh, robot that you made. Um or or someone on Twitter made, but uh, with PlayStation Xbox, I think there is there are systems in there that are like keeping the last hour of your gameplay, you know. So like that stuff is already being kept in some sort of like mem in in memory, so that you can share it yeah, to Twitter. For content creation, yeah, exactly. So like the features are already there, like it's already being recorded, and because you are using up this is this only applies to. Um, from what I can tell, it only applies to like in-game voice chat. So if you're playing Call of Duty or Halo and you're you have your public chat on, um you that that is being broadcast and is therefore part of like this report and capture uh feature that they've added. So like I think it also hopefully will have people you know, when you bring in moderation and you you advertise that you have moderation, sometimes it's just the fact that you're saying you have moderation that keeps people from doing stupid shit, you know, and being incredibly mm -hmm. rude on the internet. Um, so hopefully, hopefully this will make it easier. And, you know, kind of tie into Activision Blizzard here, but like um, when Blizzard brought in the like community guideline thing for WoW uh, and they actually implement, like actually implemented it and acted on it, uh, it, it made a pretty big difference. There were quite a few people who in the first uh, couple of weeks were basically complaining about not being able to be a dick online anymore and, you know, for getting banned from, you know, WoW accounts that they, especially in, in WoW's case, because it's such an old game at this point, like when you've been playing a game for 15, 20 years, and then all of a sudden you get banned for basically harassing somebody in, in chat. Um, you know, it was it was nice to see, like I say, <laughs> that kind of feedback that something was actually happening. But it only took uh, like a week or maybe two of those, you know, guidelines, because essentially what they did is they um, put the community guidelines as a, like a basically like a user agreement you had to agree to before you could access your characters. So it was like, as soon as you click, OK, I agree, you are agreeing to their terms of using their service. And, you know, like, then there are consequences for your actions. And it only took a couple of weeks for people to realize Blizzard was actually acting on reports. And like, if you broke those community guidelines, you're no longer welcome in Warcraft. And then the ban started to go down and the complaints started to go down and it actually made a difference. So you're right, Ryan, like, just knowing that those moderation tools are there sometimes is, is enough of a deterrent. Yeah. And yeah, I mean... You should not be going into online games um, and and harassing people. Like you just shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not behavior that I think. Uh, you know, you and I and Jocelyn as as video game players want to experience in our games. But also as a company, I know sometimes we like to think companies are these soulless, you know, faceless acquisition merger folks. But like really, like <laughs> you know, I, I I think that Xbox cares. Uh, that they have a, a a safe place for folks to play games. A welcoming it, community. Exactly. Yeah. If not only just so that they can make more money. Of like, Yeah, folks at home of course, who are surprised. Of course, that's always the bottom line. <laughs> you know, 
you know, it, it always comes back to that. But I truly believe that if you have a positive, welcoming place, you are going to make more money. You know, like I think a lot of companies realize this and um, build tools that that make their, you know, communities better. And of course, it's not perfect. I know Discord has been doing a lot of work in that regard, and it's still not perfect. But like, you know, it, it comes down to making money. I think you make more money when you have a you have a place where a lot of people want to be, you know, and yeah. um, I agree with that. Yeah, there are a couple of examples that uh, out there these days where, you know, uh, they've made a more negative place and they are making less money. You know, it's, it happens. And I think like mm-hmm. people just need to realize like, okay, like, let's just, this is a good move forward. And I think that, um, you know, like parental controls that came with the last generation of consoles, I think like going forward, we're going to see more of a focus on like this player safety and community moderation. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. So let's jump into the big story of this week, which is uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Uh, We've got quite a few updates, including so uh, today, as we're recording, it is 630 on the 18th of July, uh, 630 Eastern time. Uh, So I think the deal has until 3am Eastern, so midnight Pacific. Um, and this is the day, it is the day that the deal is supposed to close. So we don't actually know what's going to happen. We were hoping that there was going to be some sort of statement um, at some point today, but it doesn't seem like we're getting anything um, at least released publicly. But uh, basically what has happened over the last week is that... And I mean, Ryan, feel free to jump in at any point here, because I mean, I've been paying attention. I've been reading the things, but there are so many countries involved and so many legal cases that I feel like uh, this like this merger, this acquisition is so big and there are so many moving parts that I'm sure I'm going to just screw this up. But essentially in the U.S., the courts have ruled in favor of Microsoft. So Microsoft has won against the FTC. The FTC still has further avenues they could pursue. Uh, There was also a, um, I guess, injunction filed or something from a group of gamers who were also trying to block the merger and the Supreme Court basically threw that out. So from an American U.S. perspective, the stoppages to the merger are gone. Uh, From a UK perspective, we had uh, the CMA and Activision Blizzard agree to pause their legal battle and basically try to work it out behind closed doors. We have no idea what that might look like, again, because it's behind closed doors, but the legal battle in the UK has stopped. There is still quite a lot that they have to figure out on the UK side of things in order for like if Microsoft goes ahead with the acquisition of Activision Blizzard in order for them to operate in the UK. There's a lot of things that they still need to figure out. But that legal battle for now has been paused while they try to work out something that is acceptable to Microsoft as well as the CMA, which is, again, the UK's um, UK version of the FTC. And then also this week, PlayStation has now signed the 10 year deal with Microsoft to keep COD on PlayStation consoles. So that barrier to the merger 
is kind of gone. Like they've they've lost their argument, I guess. <laughs> they've lost their footing <laughs> because they've now signed this deal to keep caught on PlayStation for 10 years, which is very similar to to every other deal that Microsoft has put out there and does put in like legal writing that uh, COD will be on PlayStation because Microsoft had already informally committed to that, to, to put COD on, on PlayStation consoles as long as COD exists. So, I mean, that's probably going to be longer than 10 years. I don't see COD actually going anywhere. So, I mean, they'd made that informal commitment, but as we all know, you know, shit you say on Twitter, <laughs> it's not a legally binding agreement. So now there is a legally binding agreement for 10 years between Microsoft and uh, PlayStation and Sony. Uh, so yeah, that's in a nutshell, everything that happened. Ryan, anything you want to add or expand on or discuss? Cause there's, oh my God, there's so much stuff here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I, I think right off the bat, like because of the way the deal has been structured to uh, close today, July 18th. Um, and what happened with the FTC, uh, that stuff has, the, the FTC is, is like that, even though they have avenues, like their teeth have been pulled on this one. Like they don't have, they don't have the bite that they had before they lost that court case, even though the court case was really just, uh, they had filed an injunction to block the merger, like the purchase completely until they've had a chance to have, um their sort of legal their actual legal case of like the FTC versus Microsoft. Yeah, the appeal, right? Um because the case went through and was found in favor of Microsoft and then the FTC appealed, right? No, yeah, no, they oh, haven't Oh, okay. So they haven't like, finished it yet. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> they didn't even have it yet. Like they they basically and you know government they work slow but they've had you know two years to kind of put this thing together but they scheduled i think they scheduled the case to be after the merger uh, deal was supposed to go through like a month and a half so essentially the ftc was saying oh yeah we'll review your case but a month and a half after the deal um that you set up is supposed to close which like to me like i know you know fairness what is fairness when dealing with these large <laughs> you know things well, when you've had two years, like I can understand if it's like, okay, um, I'm going to go and buy Ryan Corp yeah. next week. And the FTC is like, we can't review it in a week. Like, yeah. screw you, Joss Corp. You can't take over Ryan Corp without a proper review. And we can't do that for a month and a half. Okay, cool. Those are timelines that make sense. But when you're like, okay, this has been ongoing for two years. And, you know, like, we're going to review it a month later. It's like, Okay, FTC, I feel like you could have done this in a more timely fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, like, it seems weird to, to talk about fairness when it comes to this stuff. But like, I think, you know, right. I think everybody should have um, this stuff should be reviewed in, in court. Like, it's a big acquisition. It should be looked at. But like, if you're if you're told like, hey, this week, we want to close this deal by, you know, in, in two years or a year and a half. Um don't don't book the case for after the case closure because of course we're just gonna go forward with the purchase and you had your chance and I think the injunction you know being you know sent away uh, basically gives Microsoft the 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 precedence to be like well you know this didn't go in your favor I highly doubt you're gonna have a, a well put together case uh, even more after this like there's no further evidence and I think like a lot of what 
you know, the FTC was focused on was this was the fact that PlayStation would suffer, which was not the idea. Yeah. The FTC is to protect consumers, not another corporation. Um, but like this whole PlayStation deal, like talk about PlayStation showing up at the at the final hour. You know, not that I didn't think there there would be a deal, but it's almost like they they literally waited until three days before the closure of this of when this deal was supposed to go through to be like, oh no, no, we'll have one of those, you know, Call of Duty agreements, please. They've had the they've had the agreement for a while. It's been in it's been in their inbox for, you know, <laughs> ten months. The thing is, like, the longer they were able to hold off, then the longer that, you know, PlayStation as a platform and Sony as a company could be pointed to in all of these different regulatory cases, right? So I think PlayStation very much read the room and they're like, okay, we don't think that the FTC and the CMA are going to be able to actually block this deal. We better put something on paper because after midnight on the 18th, we're not going to have a leg to stand on and we might actually lose COD off of our platform, which is the last thing that we want. Um, because if the merger actually goes through or the acquisition, sorry, I am 99% sure that acquisitions and mergers are different. So I'm going to try my best <laughs> to remember to use acquisition instead of merger. But um, basically, uh, if the acquisition were to go through, then Microsoft basically at that point would have absolutely no incentive to other than, you know, like wanting to, um, you know, just keep the the COD audience as big as possible and sell as many copies of the game as possible. Like they would have monetary incentives for sure, but they would have no reason to sign any sort of lengthy agreement with Sony, right? They could just say, hey, as long as this is still profitable to us, sure, we'll put COD on the PlayStation, but they would have no reason to lock themselves into anything, right? So I think PlayStation kind of, or Sony saw the writing on the wall a little bit here and said, okay, you know, we need to get something on paper before July 18th just to solidify our console, like our platform, and make sure that we still have COD over here so that Microsoft doesn't kind of pull it out from under us, mm -hmm. which they could have done at any time. So I definitely understand Sony waiting as long as they did. Um, but yeah, it definitely takes Sony off the table as like a flag or bargaining chip or anything else for, for the FTC and the CMA. And I don't even think that the CMA could use Sony anymore because of everything that's already happened, right? Because of all the decisions and the tribunals and the everything else, like they were very focused on cloud gaming and essentially had already signed off even without this 10 year agreement. They had already signed off on the COD stuff and said, that doesn't bother us. Oh, yeah. What bothers us is the future of cloud gaming, right? So I don't even think that Sony, like I think, or sorry, I guess once Sony was kind of taken off of the, uh, off the table in terms of the CMA, like the only reason to hang on would have been this FTC case. So then when the FTC case is, or the injunction failed, and was thrown out, then PlayStation's like, oh, crap. All right, fine. We'll sign your 10-year COD deal because it, it's better than nothing and we've run out of time, basically. Yeah. But yeah, so that does take take away, uh, basically, Sony and PlayStation from the FTC argument. So yeah, I don't, it's, it's very big and very complicated and so many moving pieces, but it looks like um, we're, we're kind of in a space where one of two things is going to happen, right? So either 
there's going to be some sort of announcement of an extension of the deadline or the acquisition's going to go through and they'll deal with the UK market later is is kind of how how I think how I see it <laughs> as the the two potential options for what's going to happen at midnight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I based on how things have gone um Activision wants this deal to go through, Microsoft wants this deal to to go through and uh the pausing of the legal battle from the CMA after the FTC was sort of defeated in court it comes down to like okay we could like the CMA could also get in hot water by being the only holdout, which they are right now. The only ones that, uh, that haven't, they're the only ones that's that have successfully blocked it, um, before there was, and waiting for an appeal from Microsoft. So like Microsoft could go forward and we've talked about this could go forward and, and basically like carve out the problem areas specifically in the UK. So, uh, they could do that, but I think essentially what what's happening here is like they they've gone back to the table. Um, there is talk that the deal could be extended six weeks because I guess there was like sort of a timeline proposed by um, this tribunal that you know th- that was talking to the CMA and Microsoft to be like, okay, like how much more time do you need to figure out whether this can work or not? And it really does come down to streaming. And, uh, which again, I know is like to you and I, it, it seems odd, but I get like, I get it. Like it's important to look at it as like, well, this could be the future. Um, maybe even specifically in the UK, but like, I, I think that what could happen here in the talk has been like, they could spin out their, um, their game streaming, their cloud, uh, streaming, um, to a separate company, like have them manage it. And it'd be separate from, you know, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or or in addition to it's it's really odd. Like, but, you know, UK isn't going to be the only it is not going to be what blocks this deal. I, I don't think uh, I think I think the US was the biggest hurdle and Microsoft is now like keen to get this done. And uh, I think by next week when we record, hopefully we'll have <laughs> there will. I was kind of hoping that today, like even pushing the show a little bit. We would have like, like an end, like a light at the end of the tunnel, but we are still completely in the, in the dark as to how this thing's going to end. I think we'll definitely have news for next week. Like, yes. absolutely. Somebody's got to say something at midnight or tomorrow, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the deadline can't just pass and everyone just stick their head in the sand. Right? Right? <laughs> I feel like, you know, based on how fast I can edit this, I might just like... If if it if it delays enough, where I'll just be like, I'll I'll put a an addendum, you know, narrator colon the deal went through or, or something like that. Yeah. Um. Or I'll edit it really fast and get it out before. Like, let's see who wins: Microsoft or Ryan editing. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh. But yeah. So we will have another update for you guys next week or possibly right now. There, I left you a space just in case you need it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, But that's going to do it for us this week. If you guys want to join in the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. We've got a great community over there talking about everything that we talk about on the show and more. If you want to visit us on the web, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. You can also check out both of us over on Threads. I am JossPlays. Ryan is ryan murphy over there so uh, go and check it out thanks for staying at the gamers in and remember tune in next week bye everybody bye everyone <laughs> <laughs>